0: Well, good morning, City Light. Uh, Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Eric, and I get the joy of being one of the pastors here. Um, Man, if you're new, I see some new faces. Thanks for joining us. Um, If you're new, that's cool, because at this point, everybody's new. Uh, This is the second week of City Light uh, Southwest Iowa. It is the second time we've gathered on a Sunday morning just like this. So if it's your first time, you're only one behind the longest-lived uh, attender of City like Southwest Iowa. Um, that means we are in what we call core team season. All right, and core team season for us uh, means we're focusing on just a, a few things. We're preparing the place and kind of the processes maybe and the people for public launch for go live to be a functioning kind of church and so um this last week we spent a lot of time preparing the place uh you may notice the pews are gone and some chairs are here um these nicer ones were donated by City council bluffs we got more on order so we'll fill the place up i'll tell you what Um, I thought I would help move out these pews. I got a little bit of Napoleon complex inside me that makes me think a little guy can keep up with the big guys. It's just plain not true. As I was finishing moving out those solid, wood, heavy-duty, made-to-last-till-Jesus-comes-back pews, um, the last few, I felt like my forearms were just going to fall off. And to make matters worse, Jason was standing on the other end of each pew, flashing a GQ smile, barely breaking a sweat. I'm telling you, sometimes life isn't fair. The little guy just has to work harder, all right? But we got the pews out. The chairs are in then yesterday. um, A bunch of people came and painted some walls. So this one looks different. The City Light Kids space looks brighter and better. If you came, thank you for your hard work. If you didn't come but you want to help out, let me know because we have a lot of work to do and I'll take as much help as we can get, okay? Uh, So we've been preparing the place and we're trying to prepare the people. That's us. And so what that means is we've just been talking a lot about God's mission for his church. What is Jesus calling his people to do right now? What mission has he sent us out on? Well, around here we say that our mission is to multiply disciples and churches. Very simply, we are on a mission to multiply disciples and churches that love Jesus, okay? And so... That's why we're planting this church. That's why we're painting this building. That's why we gather on Sunday mornings here and scatter throughout the week in city groups. That's why we're going to be feeding free food on Emerson days to people that don't go to our church. That's why we're always praying for more opportunities to get to talk to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. Because we're on a mission. Our mission is, is... to multiply disciples. Disciple, it's a word that simply means a follower of Jesus, somebody that knows him and follows him. And so our mission is to let more people know who Jesus is and what he's done. And as more people follow Jesus and bend their knees before him as their Lord and King and honor him as their Savior, we just want to keep planting more churches, more local homes for those those believers to gather together and do what we're doing right here and so our mission is very simple to multiply disciples and churches that's what we're here for I get kind of excited about that I'm a little guy okay it doesn't take much to get me excited so uh that's our mission now you uh could say man that's a pretty simple sentence a straightforward mission any church maybe every church ought to claim that as their mission Multiply disciples of Jesus Christ and churches for his glory, right? Uh, But churches approach that in all kinds of different ways. The way they pursue that mission can look very different, right? Some send missionaries overseas. Others go door to door and knock and hand out tracts. Some use organs. Some use fog machines. Some sit in pews. Some sit in chairs some sing new music some sing old music some have potlucks some cater food in there's all kinds of ways that people can pursue the mission of God and so you might ask this morning how do we do it how are we going to pursue this mission to multiply disciples and churches what makes city light southwest Iowa unique what marks us as a body If you were to ask me that question, my go-to answer would be our core values. We have four values that are so near to us, so foundational to who we are, that they kind of inform how we function as a church. They guide us as we make this Jesus that we love known to the world around us. And they go like this, down, up, in, and out. Down, up, in, and out, There are core values. And you might say, Eric, that's not very helpful. (laughs) It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It's like my uh, youngest son, he's three, he hauled off and smacked his older brother in the face just earlier this week. And so I walked up to him and I said, Ivor, why did you slap your brother? And in a dead serious tone, he looked at me and said, because I did, dad, right? That's not helpful. That's not an answer. I was looking for an explanation and did not get one. I didn't want vague, I wanted a reason. And so, if you guys are looking for an explanation of down, up, in, and out, I'm going to do better than Ivor did, okay? I will uh, let me take a moment and explain this. Down is the gospel, it's the good news that God stepped out of heaven um, by sending his son, who put on flesh like ours. He was born of a woman and lived a life just like we do, breathed air like we do, ate food like we do, and then died like we do. But he, unlike us, didn't stay dead. He rose again to new life and now offers that life to men and women like you and me. We would say the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. That is maybe the corest of the core values for us. It guides everything else. Down is the good news that when we couldn't rise up to God, he came down to us. Up is formation. Um, When we talk about formation, we mean... The goal of the gospel isn't just to save us from hell, it's to renew us in life and character until we become like Jesus, until we're made into his likeness. In other words, um, we become like him. And so around here, we say that the gospel, that good news that God came down to us, it isn't just the ABCs of the Christian life, it's the A to Z of the Christian life. So the gospel is good news that invites us into the family of God. When you put your faith in Jesus, then you are changed. You are You become a part of the family of God. And yet, that, that's the ABCs. It's the beginning. It's the front door. And yet, the gospel doesn't stop there. The gospel is the good news that invites us in, and it's also the good news that sustains us every day after that first day. We live by it and find hope in it in every day in every circumstance it's the beginning until the end the a to z of the christian life the gospel shapes us and forms us from the beginning to the end that's up formation in is community Um, the bible often talks about the church as a family we're made to be brothers and sisters in christ and so when we, uh, when, when people experience City Light Church, our goal is for them to find a savior to believe in, a family to belong to, and a cause to live for. We never want somebody to enter into the family of God and then feel all alone when they sit in his house. We want to be a family. That's community. That's togetherness. That's in. And then lastly is out out is mission Um, when we talk about out we often quote a guy named emil bruner he said this the church exists by mission as a fire exists by burning right what that means is you don't have a fire unless something is burning and you don't have a church unless somebody's on mission you tracking with me So when Jesus came to earth, he said he came to seek and save the lost. He said it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. Which means when Jesus came, he was on the lookout to find people who were lost, who were wandering and wondering, who could help me? I'm all alone. I need somebody else. Jesus was on a mission to find them, and he was on a mission to heal those who were broken. And if finding the lost and healing the broken was good enough for Jesus to be about when he walked this earth, it's certainly good enough for his people to be about when we walk on this earth. So that means mission is not just a committee in the church or a ministry that a few people do. It's not done just by paid staff and really good volunteers. Mission is the very heartbeat and lifeblood of our church. The church exists by mission like a fire exists by burning. Down, up, in, and out, the gospel, formation, community, and mission, those are our core values. And it's our hope and desire that they would shape us into a church that often has Jesus on our lips, open to all the ways he might form us, living together as a family that always looking to grow, all right? That's it. That's City lights. how we pursue this mission that Jesus has put us on. And in light of all of that, we are now in Acts chapter 2. We are going through Acts this fall. Um, we aren't smart enough to plan stuff like this. But we put together a preaching calendar at the end of last year, not knowing we would be planting a church right now. And we are now in Acts chapter 2, talking about what it was like for the very first little body of believers to follow Jesus. And now we're a new little body of believers trying to follow Jesus. Perfect. And so this week, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, this description where Luke gives us a brief but beautiful account of how these early Christians responded after Jesus had poured out his spirit and Peter had preached the word and 3,000 people got saved, okay? Um, I think that we see in this passage all four of our core values on this way. I think we see all of them. So this week, we're gonna look at down and up, and next week, we'll look at in and out, and then we'll continue through Acts. So that's the plan. Let's start with down. Okay. I think we see down right away, right off the bat. Look at Acts two, forty-two with me again; it'll be on the screen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This new little church devoted themselves to four things. The first among them was the apostles' teaching, which begs the question: What were the apostles teaching? What was their teaching, right? I would suggest to you today that what they were teaching is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're fair to God's word, they taught a whole lot of things. It wasn't just that. They talked about uh, things like friendship and relationships, sex and marriage, parenting, eating, drinking, baptism, communion, leadership, conflict, suffering, sacrifice, and the list goes on and on and on. The variety of things they talked about is evident of the variety of people that they were talking to. This wasn't just one kind of person they were talking to Jesus about. It was all kinds of people. They talked about Jesus with poor people and rich people, city people and country people, religious people and rebellious people, old people and young people, people who were in prison, people who were free, men and women. They told everybody about Jesus. But no matter who they were talking to or where they were talking, we see one common theme, one central message, and that message is Jesus saves. It's the good news of the gospel, and I don't want you to take my word for it. I want to show it to you from the Bible. So, Acts chapter 8 says this about Philip. Then Philip, he was a follower of Jesus, opened his mouth, And beginning with this scripture, it was a passage from Isaiah, he told him, him is an Ethiopian guy from a country Philip uh, was not from. Okay, This is a, a guy from far away. He's in Philip's land. He has this scripture open. He's looking at Isaiah. From that passage, Philip told the Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. He went straight from there to Jesus. He had one message he was trying to get to, and he got there. That was Philip. Then there's Peter. Peter wrote this in his letter, 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through, catch it, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We have a new living hope in Jesus because death couldn't hold him down. Same gospel. Okay, John, in this The love of God was made manifest among us. It was made clear to us. It was made known to us that God sent his only son, that's Jesus, into the world so that we might live through him. There's life in Jesus, the one God sent to live among us. Same gospel. Okay, one more. Paul, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Do you see it? There is a common theme. All of the early leaders of the church taught one central message of first importance. It was the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible often calls this message the gospel, okay? That means the gospel isn't just a style of music. It's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel is the good news message of new life in Jesus Christ. So around here, if if somebody were to ask us, what is the gospel, we would say it this way, a summary. The gospel... Is the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son Jesus Christ? The good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son Jesus Christ. Now listen, Philip and Peter and John and Paul and all the others are saying there is one message of first importance. And that message is not a command to follow a lot of rules, it's not a call to be your best self with God's help, it's not a commission to do more for God so that He will like you better. That message of first importance is the gospel, it's an invitation To give your life to Jesus, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've achieved or what you've struggled with, no matter your joys or your sorrows, no matter where you've lived or what you've done, no matter your history or your baggage, the good news of the gospel is an invitation to give your life to Jesus Christ, the only one who can make it right now and forever. That's the gospel. And it is good news. Friends, every religion that is and ever was recognizes that there's something wrong with the world. That much they get right. Anybody can look around and see that things are not the way they should be. We can see poverty and abuse, addiction, depression, hatred, conflict, and death. Something inside each of us knows this isn't right. Something is broken. And it's the response to that brokenness where Christianity takes a sharply different turn from every other religion in the world. See, uh, Christianity, every other religion says that humanity has to rise up. They say we have to be better morally, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever. We have to somehow try harder, do better, and be more. If we could just do enough or be good enough, we might find a way to save ourselves. Christianity isn't just different than that. It's the opposite of that. The Bible says we cannot get better. We cannot rise up. We are by nature sinners. So getting better on our own would be like trying to change our very nature on our own. Think an apple tree deciding one day to bear oranges. Think a Ford Taurus uh, trying to gas up at a Tesla charging station, right? It just doesn't work. That can't happen. By nature, they are different things. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try or how much we do. The Bible says we need a Savior. We need Jesus, this one who the Old Testament prophets predicted and foretold, this one who the New Testament apostles worshiped and preached. We need a Savior like Jesus, and there's no one else like him. That Jesus, this Jesus, stepped out of heaven and came down to us. He literally descended from paradise with God as God to be born of a woman and have flesh and blood, just like you and me. We could not rise up to him, so he came down to us. He lived the perfect sinless life that you and I couldn't live. That means he healed the sick and fed the hungry. He moved toward things like mercy and generosity and justice. He always honored God, his father. But he wasn't just a model of how we should live. After he had lived that life, the one we couldn't live, he became the sacrifice for all of us who could not live that kind of life. Jesus was falsely accused and convicted of rebellion. See, the very thing that we do when we by nature rebel against God, Jesus, though he never rebelled, was accused and convicted of rebellion and then executed by crucifixion on a cross. He just lived the life we couldn't live, and then he died the death that we uh, should have died. See, he was the uh, uh, righteous one, and we were the rebels. He was the innocent one, and we were the guilty. And he died for us on our cross and then laid down in our grave. And I'm here to tell you today that that grave would have been the end for you or me. It would have been the end. we would be done, extinguished. You can't move past that. But that grave only set the stage for Jesus. From that grave, God's purpose and plan and power to save his people was put on great display. Jesus' body, dead and lifeless and decaying, wrapped up tight in burial clothes, lying motionless on the cold, rocky floor of that dark tomb, that body of Jesus, having been there for 3 days breathed again he filled his lungs with air again took that breath stood up out of that uh, off of that rocky floor that jesus with new life let the light of the world break through the darkness of that tomb as soon as he stood up he took those burial clothes off Folded them up, set them aside, never to be used or needed again. Because when Jesus stood up, he stood up to new life. Life that lasts beyond the grave. Life that could not be conquered by Satan, sin, or death. Jesus, from the grave that we should be bound to, stood up and broke free. And once he stood up and walked out of that grave, he spent 40 days talking to all of his Friends and followers explaining to them what had happened. And after those 40 days and those 500 plus people heard about Jesus' power over Satan's sin and death, Jesus ascended back into heaven to sit enthroned as a conquering king who defeated humanity's greatest enemies, Satan's sin and death. I'll say one more time, now and forever, Jesus walked out of the grave in new life that lasts for eternity. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the news that that new life beyond the grave kind of life is offered to anybody and everybody who would put their faith in Jesus. Jesus is still ruling and reigning, He is still seeking and saving. Jesus is still out on mission, and he's sending us on that mission too. The mission to multiply disciples and churches who know that new life in him. That's down. That's what we celebrate. That's the gospel. And so City Light, I want to take a minute and just say, I mean, many of you have heard that story before, right? You, you know it, you've heard it, you've read it. Um, I think we can hear that story and understand that story, maybe memorize that story, even tell other people about that story, and yet still fail to believe that it's true for ourselves. I think we can still fail to live in light of the gospel in our own lives. So I just ask you today, are you believing in the gospel of Jesus as the only way to be made right? In other words, are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior today? Not just do you understand it, but are you living by it? Let me give you an example. Um, I went to High uh, V with a friend of mine named Bill uh, a few weeks back, and Bill saw a friend there, and he introduced me to his friend. Hey, this is Eric. He's one of my pastors. I'll tell you, you get all kinds of responses when that's the introduction, okay? Uh, This is Eric, he's one of my pastors, and this uh, woman, his friend, said, oh, you're a pastor. Uh, I used to go to church, I don't go to church anymore. I still believe in Jesus, but I just don't go to church. I, uh, at the end of every day, I look in my mirror and ask myself two questions. Have you hurt anybody today, and have you done your best today? And I think... If I can be satisfied with the way that I answer those questions, then I'm doing pretty good. Now, you see what she did? She knew the gospel. She knew who Jesus was, and she saw him as a good man, somebody to model her life after. But she didn't see him as a savior. She thought his only contribution to her problem was, hey, I'll be an example to you. Be like me, don't hurt anybody, and do your best, and then you're good enough. But that's not what the Bible says. And so since I'd already been outed as a pastor, I just couldn't let it lie, right? And so I said, "Um, oh man, that's interesting. So what happens on the days when you can't give the right answer to the person in the mirror? What happens on the days where you actually hurt somebody or because of uh, exhaustion or you're too tired or you're just feeling kind of selfish or vengeful? What happens if you don't do your best? What are those days like? she's caught a little off guard and she waited for a minute and she said, those are hard days. And inside I thought, I know they are because I have them every day. I know the standard that was set for me, the standard to never rebel against my creator, the standard to be good all the time, the standard to live like we cannot live. When I look in the mirror, if I put myself up against the standard that God has given me, I can't say that I did it well. I can't give the right answer. And so when she can't give the right answer, I can commiserate. I know what it's like. And so in that moment, I just said, and that's why we need Jesus, right, he's the only one that can give the right answer all the time. And when he lives in us, then we get to have his answer. It doesn't mean we always get to give the right answer. It means his right answer is always in us, right? That's the good news of the gospel. And so today I would ask you guys, what standard have you set for yourself? Is it don't hurt anybody and do your best? Is it don't drink that drink again? Is it don't look at that image on the screen again? Is it uh, uh, you need to be a good person or you need to give enough money or you need to not use the the wrong language or hang out with the wrong people or you need to dress the right way? What is it in your life, a standard that you've set that you think, man, if I just do that, then I'm okay. When we do that, We're setting our own standards for ourselves by which we get to save ourselves. And I'm just saying, man, City Light, we are broken people living in a broken world. And even when you pick your own standard that you think you can live by, we still fall short. We cannot rise up. And so it is good news that God did not leave us on our own to save ourselves. It's good news that when we could not rise up, God sent his son down to us. There is no one who can save like Jesus. So, city like today, if you've not turned to him, if you've not found joy and life in Christ, today is the day. Turn to Jesus. Nobody can save like he does. The good news of the gospel is that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of jesus christ the apostles taught it the early church was devoted to it it's the power of god for salvation and by god's grace city like southwest iowa will never stray from it that's down okay up up's not gonna take me as long okay i get caught up uh that was down this is up i think in acts 2 we're gonna see both so we see the gospel and then we see up now remember up is Formation Up is being made into the likeness of Christ. The Bible word for it is sanctification. What that means is we just believe the Bible when it says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become more like him. That that movement toward mercy and generosity and justice, uh, that movement toward seeking and saving the lost and healing the broken, we actually get to start doing that by the power of Jesus inside us. We're made like Jesus. We're formed. And so I just would say, we've all been formed, right? We know what this is like. We've had these experiences. When I got married, um, I had never had a cavity, okay? Uh, Track with me. I'm, I got a point. I'd never had a cavity, and it wasn't because I was committed to good oral hygiene, okay? When I started college, I bet if I brushed every other day um, for a stretch, that was a good streak for me, Okay, and don't judge me right now. You don't even know about my flossing habits yet, okay? It it was bad. And so uh, I started um, getting interested in this girl, Sarah, who's now my wife. And after I started hanging out with her, um, she's had this conversation with me about how gross my lifestyle was. And so I started brushing once a day, okay? After that, and uh and I I we got married by God's grace and miracle. Um, and so then uh I was 28 years old, I'd never had a cavity, and I got this really bad cold. And I coughed all the time, it'd keep me up at night, it'd wake me up from my sleep, and there were these little red cough drops that would uh give me relief. And so one evening I popped one in my mouth and I accidentally fell asleep with that thing tucked between my cheek and my teeth, and I slept all night long. It was great. And so I did what any normal person who's not committed to good oral hygiene would do. I just started tucking that thing between my teeth and my gums every night. And I slept like that for like a month. And you can imagine the next time I went to the dentist, um, she had some information for me. I had gone from zero to five cavities in one fell swoop. I (laughs) I had five of them and that was not good news. That information formed me because I don't like people drilling into my teeth And I don't like pain when I eat ice cream. And so now, uh, at least five times a week, I try to brush twice a day, okay? And I never sleep with anything in my mouth. She said that's actually a choking hazard too. So it's not just bad for your teeth, uh, you could die. So see, this combined force of a crush and a marriage and several cavities, it changed me and shaped me. I think something similar happened to the believers in the early church the combined force of the Spirit of God moving and the Word of God being preached and this body of believers taking shape, that combination formed those people. Look at Acts chapter 2 with me one more time. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. How did those people respond? They devoted themselves. The gospel, the the pouring out of the Spirit and the preaching of the Word in this family of believers, it shaped what they were committed to. It changed them from the inside. They devoted themselves to learning about Jesus, hanging out and eating with other followers of Jesus, and praying to Jesus. I want you to notice, none of those things are self-focused. Not one. The gospel doesn't shape you into the best version of yourself. It doesn't make bad people good. It doesn't make rebellious people religious. The gospel makes people who are dead and lost in their sin alive and found in Jesus Christ. That means the gospel is good news for good people and bad people. It's good news for rebellious people and religious people. Just because we sit in the church, we cannot presume or assume that we've been changed by the gospel. In Jesus' days, in these days, the Pharisees needed the gospel just as much as the lost pagans. And today, in our world, pew-sitters need the gospel just as much as people who never grace these doors. And so we believe that the gospel forms us from beginning to end. It's not just an entryway. It's a lifestyle. We have to be shaped by it inside and out, day after day. The same kind of formation that happened in Acts chapter 2 is still happening in people today. And so I just want to end here by instead of me telling you that that's true, letting you hear it from um, a real living, breathing person. An example, we, during our core team season, are just letting a few people give a testimony of what God has done in their own life. And so this morning, Chase is going to come up and share his testimony with us. So Chase... You ready? Come on up, man. This is Chase Kennard. If uh, if you need a like good workout guy, I was wishing he was here helping us move the pews when I was suffering.
1: I hope I got this mic
0: turned up. I might have to back and- it's gonna be great. He does it all, man. He'll lift weights and then do yoga and then come up here and give his testimony. There we go.
1: I guess I could have had Dwayne run it here. Dwayne's special specialized in sound too. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Chase. Um, I promise I won't have you doing jumping jacks like Eric was afraid of uh, earlier. But um, I, uh, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about myself and and my walk uh, with Jesus. Um, I came up with a, a Christian upbringing. Um, I Grew up in, uh, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with my family. My parents are here today, uh, over here. Um, like I said, uh, Christian upbringing, uh, real involved with the church down there, uh, the Methodist Church. Um, was in uh, choir, uh, youth group, um, just uh, real involved uh, pretty much every Sunday going to church. Um, got uh, Went through... Um, confirmation uh, at that church, and uh, just had a, had a real good uh, childhood. Um, I moved up to the Midwest, uh, up to Red Oak, uh, when I was in the end of seventh grade, pretty much, um, and I was actually talking to Eric a couple weeks ago, and um, as I was talking to him, I realized I made an agreement uh, shortly after uh, moving back up here when I was in high school I, there was a girl I liked and uh, I went to a church camp with her and uh, had a great time, had a great experience, uh, learned about Jesus and uh, really was, had my first kind of excite, excitement uh, about Jesus again after moving back up to, to Red Oak. Um, anyway, I went back to school after, after that church camp and uh, told one of my classmates about that experience and he basically laughed at me about it. Um, and it was it was then that i, I realized I, I made an agreement and i said I, I this isn't obviously what what the cool kids uh are into uh i want to i want to be whatever you know they're into i want to do what they do and um so a- after realizing that that jesus wasn't cool with the the cool crowd i uh i i i did what i needed to uh to fit in with them and uh that led me to some pretty wild times um I started trying to utilize everything that the world had to offer to make me happy. And um, I moved away from Iowa, and I thought I could uh, find happiness by moving away. And um, I tried experimenting with other religions and and looking for answers answers there. Um, I even tried living without any religion at all. And uh, none of those obviously led to happiness for me. Uh my path eventually went from wild times to dangerous times. Uh and then um not too long ago it led to some really dark and lonely times. I uh I was in bondage to the things of this world. I ended up on a stretcher in an emergency room uh in a hospital down in Macon, Georgia, um at the end of last year, and I can remember um sitting on that stretcher and, and thinking to myself, um you know, is this it? Is this, is this, what, is this all life is right here? Um, you know, because it sure doesn't feel like living. You know, this, this doesn't feel like I'm living life to the fullest. I'm, I'm, I'm not. It was just uh, the darkest time I've ever been in my life. And it was a real wake-up call for me. And um, I packed my stuff up uh, from Georgia, moved back up here to Red Oak, and uh, pulled into town with a, a U Haul in, in my car um, on Thanksgiving Day, actually, with my dad. And I uh, started hanging around a guy from, uh, from men's Bible study uh, named Matt Davis, and he introduced me to, to Jason. We actually uh, went to a Creighton basketball game and, and had a great time. And, and, and Jason, I, I think he, he can tell you the story probably a little better than I can, but he, he said, uh, you know. I don't know if, if this guy's going to enjoy hanging out with with somebody who doesn't like to drink and and just you know has a, has good old clean time yeah, a nerd basically <laughs> clean good old clean fun, go to a basketball game, you know and and I'm thinking to myself wow, little does he know that's exactly what i'm I'm looking for in my life so uh, it worked out great. Um, I also was uh reconnected with a uh, a fellow by the name of Bill Arthur Holt. Some of you' all have met him, and uh hopefully he can. He can uh, be part of the future of City Light Southwest. But um, anyway, I started meeting with him every week. I started learning about spiritual warfare and the battle that is raging out there. Um, I decided to, uh, I I made a huge decision in my life and decided to give myself to to Jesus Christ again. And um, that's when I began to start to experience uh, true freedom in my life. And uh, I started living life as God meant for me to experience it. Um, today, I'm close to my family again, not just in location, but also, uh, you know, uh, just that, that family closeness. Uh, I have a little niece, uh, one and a half year old, well, she's almost two now, uh, niece that I'm in a part of her life, got another one on the way. Um, I got, uh, let's see, I, I'm not just talking about my passion to help people, you know, I've always kind of felt that passion to, to help others. Uh, today, I'm actually fulfilling that dream. Um, I got a job working in the weight room at the Y as a personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, um, things I've been passionate about for a long time. I'm serving in my community in Red Oak as a reserve police officer. Um, and most importantly, uh, I've been able to get involved and active with a with church. Um, City Light uh, has provided a church family that I've always wanted um, You know, it's it's something that that I've I've craved since since I for as long as I can remember, and I've just never been able to take that step. I've never felt comfortable enough to take that step. Well, the people at City Light have allowed me to do that, and um, they've made me feel comfortable. They've they've welcomed me with open arms. Uh, Eric, Doug, uh, all all the guys and 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 gals at, at, at City Light, they've just been so welcoming, and it's it's been a great experience. Um, I've gotten involved with the core team, uh, planning of this church, Uh, obviously I'm doing the sound and video, Um, you know, I look back at things and it's really truly amazing um, that I'm getting my feet dug in with my faith in Jesus as a church is being planted and I'm able to be a part of of a church from pretty much the ground up and it's just been uh, unbelievable. Um, So I, I know I've been talking for a little while here but... I just want to end by saying that you know I'm finally letting Christ do His work in me, and uh, He's been wanting to do that work for a long time. Um, So in closing, I I challenge all of y'all to look inside yourselves and see if you're letting Christ do His work in you. If not, there's there's no better time than now. Um, I I can I can vouch for that. I I waited uh, a long time to do that, and um, you know it's it's not worth waiting for. You know why not experience life to the fullest now? So uh, you can do that by accepting Jesus into your heart. Uh, Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Eric.